1: Welcome in to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Monday edition mailbag. We've got some good questions. We uh, divvied it down to four or five. So um, there's going to be a lot to discuss, a lot of recruiting. We have some basketball, which dig, digs into some basketball recruiting as well. Uh, and also just the upcoming football season. Um, Jared let, let's start first with Robbie Parness's question uh, is there a position in the 2023 class that you think the ducks need to sign an immediate impact player and who are some of the top targets and where do the ducks stand with that question uh, let's let's first address the first part of it where where would this team need to, to sign an immediate player in 2023
2: I think there's a couple spots um, specifically if you just look at who's to graduate or who's to go to the NFL draft in the following right. season, I think defensive line and offensive line could really be a place where um, they need immediate help. So like just a couple ideas, but Samson Okunlola for uh, out of Massachusetts, he's a five-star high offensive tackle. Um, he's visited Oregon this season um i think he could be an immediate impact guy um he's got the size and the strength um offensive line I, I think to me is a little easier to find someone who could be an immediate impact than defensive line yeah um unless you're like kayvon thibodeau or but that's like you know he's a top five That guy's bottom, not but, out there right that 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 guy doesn't come around too often um but you know you saw it with Panay sewell and you saw it even with stephen jones that same year both guys true freshmen um I think you'll get a chance to see it um, this season with Josh Connerly Jr. I I don't know if he'll be, I don't think he'll be a starter, but I think he can make an impact on the team as just being a role guy and and providing depth. So um, that's a name, Uh, as far as like a defensive end goes, you know, this is, the West Coast doesn't have its greatest talents in terms of defensive ends or offensive line prospects. Um, You could look at somebody like, uh, Mateo Uyunglele, um, he's a guy, he's, you know, top top 10 player in the country, um, last time I checked, he's somebody who could probably give you a like an immediate boost. Um, another guy both from the West Coast, Jaden Wayne, um, I think he could probably be somebody who makes an immediate uh, contribution to the team, but neither one of them are to the point of like a Kayvon Thibodeau type of player. Um, And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but I I just think that those are the positions that Oregon probably needs to address in the off season in terms of finding an impact player. And those are just a few names that I, that I could think of. Ungolay and Wayne,
1: I feel like their freshman years, they will be specialty players. Like, Hey, you're, we've seen it before. This may be a guy that doesn't hit your radar. Um, but Kenny Rowe, when he showed up as a freshman, he was just a pure pass rush specialist, or a Devin Long, same situation. Um, and when their careers ended, they were you know three or four down defensive linemen. Uh, Deion Jordan was another one early on in his career, just a special you know pass rush type guy. That's how I look at Unglae and and Wayne is that. I don't know if it's particularly pass rush, but they feel like as freshmen, like they'll be really good at one thing and they won't be really good at at multiple things. And that's kind of what made Kayvon Thibodeau so good. I mean, he was really, really good as a pass rusher, but he was also as a freshman pretty good against the run still. Um, I went with a different position. I, I think it's cornerback, defensive back, um, there's not a lot of depth here and 2022 and they're going to lose a couple guys. I mean, they, they might see Christian Gonzalez go pro, you know, that he's going to be a draft eligible sophomore. Um, Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill, uh, could also be gone. We know Bennett Williams will be because he's using his extra year of eligibility. Jamal Hill. He, I think he'll, he'll be in school for four or five years now. Um, he he could be a, a draft eligible guy. So I I look at him and I look at that defensive backfield and think there are their numbers are already low. And maybe Tucker and, and Florence show up and Kamari Terrell show up and they're really good. Um maybe Addison and Steve Stevens kind of you know push their way into that safety room where you feel real confident about them being on campus next year as stars, but I think right now, secondary, that's a spot where you could really need to add a couple guys. And, you know, they've, they've been able to sign or not sign, but they've been able to land Cole Martin, um, a four-star cornerback. Uh, I think that's a good start. Um, And then it's Caleb Presley from Seattle. Can, can you get him to really take a hard look at you and, and, I know he's he's high on Oregon, but can they can they make the move to become the top school there? Um, there's a couple guys back east or in you know the Southwest. Javier Tovino, um, most importantly, from Martin High School in Arlington, Texas. Um, that's another guy that that's 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 got some good interest in Oregon, and then you know Roderick Pleasant from California, um, Daylon Austin just recently included Oregon in, in his top group. So you've got some names there, but I I'd really like to see them try and find a couple impact guys right away. And it might be a portal. That might be a, a way to go is for both our, our positions, Jared, portal. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, the portal is like it can be a luxury, I guess, when uh, if, if you miss on a couple prospects of a certain position group and then you really need some depth. You can always go after and go hunting in the portal. Uh, I think that's what Oregon kind of did with wide receiver and, and bringing in Chase Cota, um, a little bit with cornerback too, and bringing in Christian Gonzalez. But yeah, cornerback specifically, safety was my like second, or excuse me, my third option on like what position group needs to bring someone in because yeah, they they do lose a lot of kids. Um, they could be losing. Hill uh, Bennett Williams Steve Stevens and Brian Addison just yeah. depending on if, if if those players have good years or if they frankly if they don't want to do school anymore which I completely yep. understand um, so that'd be four guys right there and um, unless JJ Greenfield you know shows that he's capable and, and and deserve another scholarship which he's been showing so far in his you know and at least during spring camp um, it's a position that's going to need a lot of a lot of players to come in at and my only um you know safety is not the hardest position to recruit well at i think and i think coach powell is, is an excellent recruiter and yeah but he will have his work cut out for him and that's certainly what's going to happen um let's i'm going to
1: call an audible here and go let's go to the next question because it ties into this i think a little bit um ross Maslich, i think i per- pronounced his name correctly uh, he's, he asks, which coach on Oregon staff do you think needs to do the best job on the recruiting trail in the 2023 class, given their state of their position group? Um, that kind of goes right into Matt Powellage and mm-hmm. the safety room, because, like you said, Bennett's gone after this season. Jamal Hill could go pro. And then Addison and Stevens, I think, are in their fifth years of college right now. Um, do they want to? Uh, Think so.
2: Fourth. yeah, yeah, fourth, fourth officially.
1: Yeah, fourth. So, do they do they want to come back for a fifth year, potentially a sixth year, two years down the road? Um, like you just said, that that creates a lot of pressure of needing to find guys. It wouldn't be surprising to me if we see the defensive back position get the hit the portal next season. Um, try and load up on high school guys, and then. Try and add one or or maybe even two portal guys to that group as well. I, I think Matt Pallow is one. Um, I'll, I'll I'll let you give your answer, and then I'll I'll have another name that I think has done a good
2: job already in this area. Yeah, I think Matt Pallow is probably my obvious number one answer to this. Um, I think it really depends on what you find to be like the most important recruiting position group that it, like you think needs to come in for next year, uh, you could look at this and be like, well, Kelly, Kenny Dillingham needs to have a good off season because they need to have a quarterback or Dan Lanning and, and Tosh Lupoy need to have a good off season because they need to find defensive linemen, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I, I think more specifically, I think it's secondary. I think it's Powell's and coach Demetrius Martin. I think those guys um, have the most limited amount of depth. I throw junior Adams in there as well, because wide receiver room. Like, as, as talented as it could be, there's still, a, you know, not a lot of depth at all over there. Um, I think this is going to be an important offseason, most or most specifically towards coach Martin and coach Powell. It's just because of the depth. Um, they have a lot of talent at their position group, like with Dante Manning and Christian Gonzalez, you bring in the, the Jaleels from Lincoln High School in San Diego, Avante Dickerson was a high star recruit coming out of high school even Kamari Terrell, who's more of a project, you know, there's a lot of potential in him at corner. Um, but I have just listed basically everybody who plays the position, um, yeah. which is not a lot of people. And you know, as is, as is Darren Barkins, he plays there. And now I've listed everybody who does play there. So it's uh, coach Martin, coach Pallage are, are going to need like the biggest offseason possible to try to replenish the talent that are, that will be lost and that they don't have right now in those rooms.
1: The guy I'm I'm going with has already kind of answered the bell here, and that's Carlos Lachlan, Oregon's running back coach. Um, he assumed the job. He had one or two years of full time on field experience um, previously at Western Kentucky. They obviously did lead the country in rushing this past season, or or, or right there near the top. Um, mm-hmm. That. That matters a little bit, um, but he his hire it was certainly one of those. Who is this? I, I don't know who he is. Right. He doesn't he doesn't have a track record. I mean, obviously he he worked in an assistant role, off field role at Memphis. Um, he also did that at Florida State, but he was never a full time position coach. He's been linked to multiple guys in the NFL um, as a as a assistant's assistant coach, but never in his own position. Um, And he's answered the, answered the call tremendously. I mean, he assumed a running back room that what, when spring ball started, they had three guys. Um, They, and one of them was coming off a a massive injury um, in Sean Dollars. So like the the numbers there at running back were not good. And Mm -hmm. all that Oregon has done since spring ball has started, it has had Noah Whittington, um, they've landed the verbal commitment uh, from Dante Dadao, which happened this past weekend. Uh, and then they've also gone into the portal um, at the end of spring and they added Marquise Irving, a Minnesota running back, who is a four-star transfer. So I, I think Carlos Lachlan early on, like we haven't seen on-field success yet, and that, that, that matters some um matters a lot i should say but in the off season, i think carlos lachlan has done a really good job of re reshaping the running back room and being able to kind of stock the cupboard a little bit
2: oh certainly um just exactly like you put out uh, they had two major running backs and cardwell and sean dollars and then after that it you know becomes a question mark after losing you know, trey benson and, and a lot of others and travis Dye in the offseason um you almost lost sean dollars too so yeah. that gives a that's another credit to, to dan lanning and Lachlan and as a whole um and then you know bringing on Marquis serving and noah whittington out of the transfer portal is big um whittington was on western kentucky last year which I read that Dante Dowdell, his his stepfather, what he said about Western Kentucky leading the country and rushing. That's just, just not true. <laughs> <laughs> they, they led the, they led the country in passing offense. They had just a million yards per game, 440 yards of, of passing offense a game, but only like 110 yards in the rushing, but that's just their offensive style. I'm sure Carlos Lachlan is a, is a tremendous coach and should have on-field success as well, but, um, we watched the Whittington a lot during spring camp uh, as the number three or number two or number one running back, depending on whatever group he was in. And he certainly looks the part to play power five football. Um, he's, he's a little shorter than Cardwell and dollars, but he's still built well. He runs hard you know, he had that 41 or 42 yard run in um, the spring game. I thought he looked explosive all spring long. Um, Bucky Irving, Marquis Irving, the transfer out of Minnesota. He had uh, like 699 yards or 700 yards as a true freshman in Minnesota. Um, he runs really well. He reminds me of Travis Dye and the way that he runs. Uh, really slippery, shifty, whatever you want to call it. Um, to get him is, is huge. Uh, and then recruiting-wise, Jordan James, Dante Dowdell, those are two four-star running backs yeah. from the South, too. Let's, let's be clear. Um, Mississippi and Georgia. So that – a potential pipeline that I think everybody kind of dreamed about when they realized that landing was coming to Oregon. Maybe hasn't happened on the defense side of the ball yet, but offensively with Lachlan and his connections down there, he's already putting in the work. Um, he's, he wanted those two guys and he went out and got them. Um, at, at the time, Jordan James was, you know, all uh, all the 24 seven sports crystal ball predictions were to Georgia, He it's to Oregon, and, um, for Dowdell, all the, the crystal balls were for Ole Miss. He commits to Oregon. Um, I think Carlos Lachlan's done a done a fantastic job so far and has really shown something out of the running back position coach that you know, we haven't seen in a couple of years.
1: All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up this mailbag with two other questions on football and also on basketball. In the fast-paced world of attacking, speed is everything. And that's where the Furon 7 Plus shines. Engineered for accuracy and precision at a rapid pace, it's your secret weapon on the pitch. Experience overall comfort and precise striking, even in the game's fastest moments. The nylon outsole, with its V-shaped stud configuration, is designed for firm ground, giving you the grip you need to outmaneuver your opponents. Step up your attacking game and learn more, and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Jared, choose your podcast adventure here. Do we want to go basketball first or do you want to go football first? Uh,
2: Let's do uh, football first. We'll finish off with the basketball.
1: Okay, so Niles PDX tweets, TJ, his name is TJ, it looks like. Uh, In your opinion, what would make this football season a disappointment? Less than nine wins, question mark. I think, I think if Oregon won eight games in the regular season and then got to a bowl game and won that for their ninth, I think I would come off the press box and interviews and start writing. And I feel like I would be a little disappointed, but the fact that they won the bowl game on, you know, they end the year with a win maybe kind of carries me over a little bit. Um, if they go into a bowl game with nine wins and they lose, it's probably a bad feeling. Um, So I I think that nine win mark is kind of the benchmark and it's almost kind of depends on how you get there. Um, I don't know. I I think expecting like 11 wins might be a little crazy. Um, That's a lot of things going your way kind of best-case scenario. I don't think it's fair to expect that. Ten feels kind of like what you should do with this offense. But depending on how you get to nine, I might feel okay with. Anything below that, though, I I would feel, man, they they had a wasted year of opportunity.
2: This is – it's a tough one for me because nine wins is a good season, but we haven't seen any of this on the field yet. And I think what Matt brought up is like how you get there. I think that's a good, um, you know, recognition, um, you know, in September when Oregon plays Georgia and then BYU and um, like, you know, in the same, in the next in three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, I think that'll be a true test. Um, I think the Georgia game is something to consider um, if it goes well, if it doesn't, then it may be like a bury the tape game. Um, but there, this is a, certainly a talented team. It's still mind you under a first year head coach, a quote unquote like first year play calling offensive coordinator if you wanna believe that. Um, there's a lot of first timers here. Um, it's talented, but there are still a lot of question marks. Um, there's still question marks on the offense and how they perform against a team that isn't their own. Um, Defensively, I feel like there's less question marks, but there's still a lack of depth at corner and, and uh, safety. Um, injuries on both sides of the ball can always permit other questions to be asked. Um, so it's hard for me to say that nine wins would be disappointing. Right. Um, I think for the last couple of years, it's been like that's been the barometer of success, especially under Mario Cristobal and other than the 2020 shortened season, um, where I think. I don't know. Would you consider the 2020 season disappointing?
1: No. Kind of. I mean, they won the league. They
2: they won the league on sort of a technicality.
1: It's true. But they still won the league.
2: This um, is true. I don't know. I think 20,
1: 2020 is kind of a lot like what I was describing with how you get to nine wins. Like, Yeah. They got destroyed in the Fiesta Bowl, which really stunk and let right. the sour taste in your mouth. But they won the league. But like you said, on a technicality. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I would define 2020. Maybe a minor shade over to disappointment?
2: Maybe. It's it's tough to say it, like, right about now. Because even 2021, like, was that a success? I mean, they still won double-digit football games. They are still one of the, you know, the few teams, frankly, in the country to do that. I mean, but, you know, they got – Wiped in against Oklahoma and against Utah twice, so it's like—is yeah. that a disappointment? So, to answer the question, sure, nine wins is probably like the the over under of like a disappointing season or not. Um, it's 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 a, it's just a hard thing to answer, in my opinion. I like get well, this at this stage of the season.
1: I could I could create a scenario where um, things go bad for Oregon early on and yet I feel like they walk off the field at the end of the season feeling good because what if what if they do you brought up the BYU game as a as a potential loss like what if they do lose to Georgia they do lose to BYU two weeks later and then maybe on October 8th they go to Arizona and they get upset by Arizona And so now all of a sudden, we're looking at a 3-3 and Oregon team going into the bye week in the middle of October. But they rattle off, let's just say, six straight wins. They get to the conference championship game. They win that one. And then they lose in their bowl game. And now all of a sudden, um, we're, we're talking about a team that's nine and four or they'd be 10 and four mm-hmm. on the season they have four losses but they won seven of their last eight games to close yeah. out the season they have double digit wins
2: and it'd be, it'd be the reverse of 2020 yeah. excuse me yeah
1: and so like you could have i mean I this is a good a tough question to answer and it's a good one because there's so many different paths you could take to a good season or to a bad season. I mean, I, I think all of us would be, would agree that, Hey, if they don't get to a bowl game, like, or if, if they get to like six, seven wins, that's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter how you get to seven wins. If you w- lose your first five and win, you know, when your final seven, like, yeah, you, you won seven in a row, but what the hell happened to, to lose five straight games? Like seven, feels really bad, but you could argue like nine, eight, 10 wins. They could be good seasons and they could also be disappointments.
2: I think it all depends on how they start. I think it's exactly like the 2021 season, you know, last year Oregon beats Ohio state. And what was it? The first college football rank power or playoff rankings, Oregon was in, was number four. Um, And that completely changes the expectation and the course of the season. By me, by you, by the fans, by the nation. Because once they see that Oregon O light up at four, um, that's different. Um, that's then, then that is the expectation. So they could have gone last year. They could have gone like eleven and two, right. and won the Rose Bowl, but finished fifth in the country like they did in 2019. And but the fact that they were there, number four for a moment, people might have looked at that as a disappointment. So I think it's all in the eyes of the beholder, but I will say Dan Lanning and company, if they finish the season and they're nine and four um, at the end of it all, I think that's a good year. I yeah. think they, sh- they should be pleased with that. I think Oregon fans should be pleased with that, especially considering, um, you know, the fact that, you know, Mario leavings kind of came out of left field. It all really happened in like a 72 hour timeframe. Um, you know, they lost 14 players. They had a nine a new coaching staff, it's a new, new coaching staff, like I was saying earlier, where there's a lot of first timers on the staff. Um, I think all things considered, and how the trajectory of what the recruiting looks like, um, and the people that they have for recruiting on their staff, I think that would be viewed as a a successful season as if they win nine games.
1: All right, let's transition over to the last question we got from Kevin, um, March Madness 83 on Twitter. Uh, since Dior Johnson signed, my, expe- my expectations have cooled after seeing recent film interviews, Jordan Brand game. Nice he's trying out for Team USA, but 24-7 sports agrees after dropping him 21 spots in the final rankings. Fan expectations still seem high. Is anyone else concerned? Hashtag and Audibles. We should note um, a couple months ago, Dior Johnson was a five-star, was in the 20s for the national rankings he is now taking a hit and is 45th overall still really good still a really good ranking um top 50 player in the country but he's no longer a four, five star he's no longer a composite five star either um 247 sports has him 45th the composite has him 36th so our network is a little bit lower on Dior than the rest of the industry And this has been kind of a trend for Dior over the last two or three years during his high school recruitment. He has dropped a little bit every ranking. Uh, He was at one point a top 10 player and no longer the case, was once viewed as a first-round draft pick. I don't know if that's still the case or not, but he's still a top 50 player. So what's a fair expectation um, for Dior Johnson in 2022 at Oregon? um jared first of all let's see if he, you know this might be speaking out of turn here a little bit but he's gone to seven or eight high schools in his career mm-hmm. um i don't care if if you've got straight a's at all of those schools that many transfers is going to create some work for the compliance and for the admissions department at oregon to get him into school so I do yep. think there is a little bit of. Let's hope the transcripts all transfer over. Let's hope he's got all the, the credits necessary to enroll at Oregon. I think that is the first, you know, first hurdle to clear. Oregon seems confident he'll get in. I don't think they would have recruited him if they didn't think he would. But that's option. You know, that's hurdle one. Um, I don't think even if Will Richardson doesn't come back for a fifth year I don't think Dior is automatically starting and I've tried to I've tried to you know set those expectations on the
2: board I mean yeah I don't think he'll be starting either um he's yeah he's a freshman and and although Dana has played freshman a lot in the past um which is always a good thing I think um you know, yes he's got to prove it just as simple as that uh, I think the, the, the high school transfers and, and um, you know, enrolling in Oregon and getting in, I think that's a legitimate issue. Um, we saw there was the same smoke and same buzz around 7 McGee because he did very similar things. Um, we also saw the same recruiting ranking development happen with 7 McGee. Yep. Um, I think that's a good comparison. Yeah, I, well, because McGee did the same thing. You, I don't know how many. I don't know if he went to as many high schools as Dior, because it does seem like Dior is a two-two a year guy. Um, but you know, Seven McGee was. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he was a very high four star at one point. He might have even been a five star. Um, and the same with Dior. But once they start transferring schools, that means you're not playing as much football or basketball and Dior wasn't playing as much basketball, and he wasn't as seen as other top prospects. So it's hard to keep this kid in the same place when you know that other people are seemingly just as good, even though you're not seeing Dior play, so they drop him. Um, And I think that's probably what happened to Dior. I still think he's a very talented player. I do think that he will certainly make a push to become a starting point guard to start the season. He's six three, one eighty. He's like a very prototypical point guard mold for a Dana Altman defense and offense. i um, still, I still think he's a very talented player, um, and I still think he can make an immediate impact with him and Cleo Ware. Um, but it's just going to be. I think that 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 first hurdle of him enrolling and getting into school. I think that's going to be. I think it's going to be big, and I think that's going to be. Uh, what's obviously what is going to put a hold on all of this if he doesn't get in, because, well, he can't go to Oregon. Um, but I think reasonable expectations is for him to earn the starting job at some point. And I think he's, and if he doesn't, I think he's going to be like, I think he's going to be the first guard off the bench. Yeah. Um, and I think he'll be potentially the leading scorer of the bench unit, just as a guy who's capable of creating his own shot. But um, I'm, you know, once basketball season rolls around and if he's on the team, I'm really interested to see how he develops to the college level because at high school, you know, I'm sure people who are listening have watched his highlights. He was one of a five star. He was, he's seen like an unstoppable player at points. And you see that too often, and then the guard doesn't do anything at the college level. So I'm interested to see if he can bring some of that skill set into college.
1: I I I'm with you. I think the expectation is he competes for a starting job, but ultimately in the end he becomes kind of your sixth man, your microwave
2: mm-hmm.
1: off the bench.
2: Um, I think and, that'd be really good.
1: And you know, and I I think I'm I'm taking into account here maybe uh Will Richardson coming back. I mean, he's not, Richardson's not in the transfer portal. He did not get an invite into the G League combine um and the NBA drafts combined. So, you know, things would suggest it's it's better for Will to come back to school. Um mm-hmm. and he's not in the portal, so he'd have to get a waiver to go somewhere else um at Oregon um or be a grad transfer. But I don't know if he's graduated yet or not. But let's just assume Will is back. I, I just think Will Bartholomew and Kuznard plus the JUCO, Tyrone Williams, and you know those four are 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 kind of locked in in my eyes as kind of your three guys to start. And I don't look at Dior as the same level as the three college players. Tyrone probably equal there, and that's where you know the, I think the expectation is: is he going to beat out Tyrone to be the number one guard off the bench? Or could Tyrone take that job? But I think he's going to play. He's going to play. He'll play in every game unless injuries happen or, or something off the court happens, which wouldn't be expected. Um, but I think he. the expectation is he plays. He plays major minutes. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me the slightest if he maybe starts a handful of games in, in 2022. Um, I, I'd be real curious to see what his mindset is like. And if NIL at Oregon can help keep him at Oregon for more than one season because he feels a lot like a Tyler Dorsey where from an impact perspective, good enough to potentially start if need be. I don't think Oregon's roster is at that part where they need him to start. Um, But he's he's good enough to start if need be. And then his sophomore year, you see a huge explosion in production, um, and, and I, I just really wonder, like, could that be kind of Dior's path of uh, be a two and out guy? And your sophomore year, you really elevate yourself.
2: Yeah, I, I mean that would be wonderful if he were a two and out guy, um, but I do kind of feel like Oregon, with the way they're recruiting grad transfers and Bartholomew and Kuznar, and I feel like they're almost anticipating a will richardson not return because those are like two other ball handlers who can take over for like a quote-unquote a point guard role um but we'll see eventually i don't know but yeah if if dior johnson were to stay for a second year um that's a stacked team that's dior at point that's mookie cook at at the three uh potentially kwame evans at the four um for number five, that could be a Nate Biddle in his junior season. We'll see what he what he's up to by the end of next year. Um, Tyrone Williams as your two guard, that's a good starting five. That's a very, very talented starting five. Um, but I agree with you to the point where, you know, if Dior does stay for a second year, that could be his breakout season. Um, we've seen that a lot with point guards. Um, that's happened to, I mean, I know he transferred like J- Javon Quinterly at Alabama. Um, you know, he really struggled coming in as a five-star at Villanova, didn't get a lot of playing time, goes to Alabama, sits out a year, um, and then just plays really well, helps lead him to a tournament. Um, I'm not saying Dior has to transfer to get better, but I do think that a sophomore season, you know, learning the college speed of the game, uh, gaining good weight, um, just figuring out what he is, good, what he's really good at at college and what he's not so good at is important, working on a shot, Uh, Just like all the things that a freshman basketball player has to do to get better. Um, A sophomore sophomore year, a sophomore surgeons like a Dorsey definitely could be the case.
1: All right, that's going to do it for us here on the and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting your questions. Uh, I think for the first time in three weeks or maybe even four weeks on Monday of next
2: week, all three of us will be back. Unless, Jared, Mm
1: -hmm. did you you put in a vacation that we don't know about?
2: Oh, uh, well, not really. I, I am going to the Pac-12 tur- baseball tournament next Monday. So. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> so it'll be you and Eric.
1: There we go. So another, uh, you'll have another week with just two of us on the podcast. Uh, all three of us will get on here eventually, shortly. But you'll have to wait another week until that comes out. <laughs> until then, uh, you've been listening to the and Audible's podcast. Peace.